Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 84 of the Reinventure Me Podcast. You have an incredible power locked inside of you. It can literally soothe the fiercest anger and turn back those opposed to you. It's the surprising power of empathy, and we're going to talk about that in this episode of Reinventure Me. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me Podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello there and welcome to episode 84 of the Reinventure Me podcast. I'm Larry Gates. I'm sitting next to... Armin Asadi. Hey, Armin. How are you, Larry? I am well. Looking forward to this episode. And we are talking about what's next in life because that's what this podcast is all about. Right. Uh, we like to find ways to help you discover new ways to reinvent your life, your opportunities, and the ventures God's called you into. This is, in fact, the Reinventure Me podcast, which means we're trying to cut a little bit, be on the cutting edge, let me put it that way. <laughs> Sometimes it will cut a little bit. <laughs> I, I think this real. might be one of those cutting episodes. Maybe, possibly. Hey, you know what? I mean, last week, we did the episode on how to work a room. Remember that? Yes, I do. And we gave some examples of things that you should do. Like, Actually, that was kind of a fun episode. It I was. Enjoyed, I actually yeah. enjoyed that one. And I went to a social event, a networking event, Okay. just after we did that episode, <laughs> back the day after. Oh, okay. And we talked in that episode about what well, one of the techniques to just get started is just to go up to the food, food line. Table. Remember that? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, because absolutely. you can always talk about the food. Exactly. So I did that. Uh, in fact, I knew quite a few people at this, but I decided I'm going to, instead of glad handing everybody that I know already, I'm going to just go to check out the food. Right? line to the food line. <laughs> I yep. did. So I, I went over to the food line, right? And I'm rounding the corner and I see this hot tray of stuff. Oh, hot and I, tray. You know, I, well, I, you know, <laughs> it's on the steaming thing. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I was looking at food here, Army. <laughs> Gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I can share a good laugh with you on that. <laughs> but I'm looking at this hot tray <laughs> and inside is a bunch of barbecue Something, something or other. I yeah. couldn't tell. It was, they weren't weenies, you know, <laughs> but there was something. And I like, mm. and the guys, there were two guys standing right by the food. They were just kind of standing there, you know, yeah. like we instructed people to do. <laughs> and they said to me, they said, oh, you should try that. <laughs> and I said, I don't even know what it is. And they said, it's barbecued plum. And I said, oh, I don't think so. And <laughs> I'm not a plum yeah, guy. Yeah, it sounds know? gross. Anyway. <laughs> right. Barbecued plum. Yeah. And they said, no, really, seriously, you will enjoy it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to take one because you guys said so. And right. in fact, we got it. I mean, they're really good, actually. <laughs> so I sat there wow. and ate a bunch of them. That's but shocking. I met these guys and got to talking to them and, and made some really good connections, just as we talked about in our last episode, you know, just around making some, works. the food, you know, <laughs> find something about the food and you got a shared experience there. But one of the guys that I had known there wanted to introduce me to somebody else that was there at the event that okay. I didn't know. Yeah. 
So you remember one of the things that we talked about last week too was, you know, not looking, not using your mobile phone and looking down at your mobile phone. Yeah. So I'm talking to him and he pulls out his phone. Oh. Okay. And I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) You're going to love this. He says, I'm texting the guy I want you to meet. (laughs) He's at the... He's, on, he's, on, he's across the room, and I'm going to text him over here. Are you serious? That's amazing. So, isn't that funny? I thought you might get a You have the best luck with networking, I swear. I just thought that was funny because, you know, we talked about not using mobile phones, but, you know, I don't think we envisioned that maybe you'd use it to... Well, we actually did talk about that, you know, that you're yeah. sitting there texting each other at a party, but, in fact, he did that, and there was no way he could have heard the episode because, you know, we only recorded it a day before. And we right. We hadn't produced it yet. That's crazy. Yeah, isn't what that fun? What a crazy story. That's fun. Well, today we're going to turn our attention away from kind of that craziness to something that is a really powerful thing that few of us really think intentionally about how we can develop, and that's our empathy. Mm-hmm. It's something that gets talked about a lot in certain communities and not so much in other organizations or other communities. Yeah, and it's you know, it's just true. And I'm I'm sure we're going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, empathy is one of those things where it almost feels like it's this touchy feely thing, and it might be very easy to just dismiss. But if you had the power, Armin, to literally shut down the anger of somebody that's coming at you, and also to maybe convince somebody of something that you have been trying to convince them of. Mm -hmm. Would you want to know what that power is? Absolutely. Yeah, and that's really empathy. And when we have the ability to connect into the stream of whether the people are walking a mile in their shoes, giving Mm -hmm. them the sense that we get them, Mm -hmm. is incredible. It opens up tremendous opportunities. And so if we are really going to take this notion of looking at ourselves and saying, how do we reinvent ourselves? How do we look at becoming more like the kind of people that we're to become? How do we look at really getting the most out of the opportunities that we have, the ideas that I might have and I want to put forward. Yeah. Maybe I want to change the way in which I work or how I work or where I work. All those things, really understanding how to be a more empathetic person intentionally yeah. can really unlock a lot of that. You know what's funny about that whole empathy thing is there seems to be this stigma around empathy in the business world where it's almost viewed as a weakness when you empathize with people. Right. And I haven't been in corporate settings a lot. I know you've been in there a lot more, more obviously as a coach and a consultant, but I've never understood that why it's considered kind of a weakness. Well, there's a lot of poorly done gestures of empathy, which are not really intended to be empathetic. They're just intended to do it because you think that's what you're supposed to do. Oh, it's kind of like a front. It is a little bit of a front. And people can tell when you're not genuinely trying to understand them. And it's almost like you're humoring them. Yeah. And they feel put down upon. It feels patronizing. Patronizing is the right word. Yeah. Right. It's funny because a lot of times... You see people doing that, and I somehow I think that in their head they're thinking that the other person has to have a level of intelligence or intellect to figure out what they're doing, and I don't think most people get that it has nothing to do with the level of intelligence. It's just a very intuitive thing if you're not being genuine. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, smart or dumb or whatever it is. People can smell someone fake. Yes. I don't know. I never understood why people put on that front of anything because it doesn't take a lot to figure out if you're faking something. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The dynamic that takes place though is if you feel like you are 
potentially being judged, and we all do judge people. Yes. But if you feel like you're potentially being judged, and in so doing, that something vital to you is at risk. In other words, you're going to lose your job, you're going to lose your relationship, you're going to lose anything about that. Yeah. What ends up happening then is that you become less forthcoming. That's true. About what your weakness is, and you will then go into hiding. And as soon as you do that, you disempower a team if you're at work because right. nobody wants to admit any kind of failing. I, I remember this when I was at Cray, when I started out there. Yeah. I was, you know, surrounded by so many, so many bright people. And I felt like they made a hiring mistake. <laughs> you know, By I'm hiring here, you? Yeah. Because I'm in with some really, really sharp people. And I'm in my first management meeting. I remember this. I'm in my first management meeting. And I didn't understand some of the things that were going on and frankly should have asked questions. Yeah. But I didn't. I held back out of fear because I didn't want to expose myself and then potentially face criticism for mm. not knowing something that I should be knowing. Yeah. And I, I held myself back. Mm. You know, so when we have a culture that says, hey, it's okay to not have all the answers and it's okay to not be perfect in every way, then you release something powerful inside of people, you release the desire for them to, in fact, get better. Yeah. It's the opposite when you have a performance culture, which basically says you've got to be a certain way hmm. in order to be okay. Mm -hmm. Then what ends up happening is that people go into hiding. Right. They'll put on a facade. They'll project what the culture demands of them. But inside, they know nobody in that culture can help them. Hmm. And I see this, you know where I see this most often? Where? In churches. <laughs> Don't get me started, Larry. I'm here to get you started, buddy. <laughs> you know I'm going rant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I told you on one of the earlier episodes, when we first moved up here, we got connected yeah. into a church. And we were there, I don't know, several months. One of the, I come up to one of the guys and he points out, he says, hey, Larry. And he points to my head. His finger's just kind of pointing up. I'm like, what? He says, your hair is kind of messed up. Did I tell you the story? No, I've never heard <laughs> he this. Says, he says, your hair is kind of messed up. So I take my hand and I just rub the top of my head and mess it up even more. I mean, you mean like this? I said. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, and yeah. he kind of looks at me a little bit startled, you know, like I don't care that my hair is messed up. Yeah. But it was important for him that everybody's in their in place. And because this church was very tidy. Oh. Uh, very tidy. And I, I remember a time when Anna was asked a question by someone, how you doing? And the question was asked in what seemed like a sincere way. Like, you know, you can say, how you doing? Yeah. Or I can say, how are you doing? Yeah. There's a difference. And when it's asked in a sincere way, as it was to Anna, or at least she thought, she told them. <laughs> she said, well, I'm not, frankly, I'm not doing very well this week. Yeah. And you know what the reaction was? They backed away and went to talk to somebody else. No. Because it wasn't acceptable to not be okay. Oh. You had to have the smiley face, the hair in place, the okayness I'm just to cringing. be okay. Yeah. I can't stand that. You know, and it's funny because it's a little bit ironic because the one organization which says, hey, we're here in the love of Jesus and everybody's broken, right. can't deal with many people in that feel like they've got to come in their Sunday best yeah, as opposed to their everyday worst. Mm-hmm. And... That's the place where everybody ought to be able to go 
and get healing, right? That, yep. That's the place where you ought to be able to say, hey, I'm broken, right? I ought to be. Ought yeah. To be. yeah. <laughs> is it though? Yeah, well, is it? <laughs> Come on, Larry, don't get me started. I'm going to get you started. <laughs> I, I, I think if there is anywhere on the planet that talks more about this topic of empathy, but they, you know, but it's always, they always use the word grace, right? That it's, it's God's grace, grace abounding. Um, we need to show grace, that our faith is about grace, 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 grace. And then you walk in, and unless you're a non Christian walking into a church, grace is not granted. If you're coming in, you're not a Christian, they'll show you all the grace in the world until you become a Christian. But the instant you become a Christian, that thing called grace. Hey, can I give you an example of that? Yes. I uh, went to a church. We were doing a church tour a number of years ago. We went to one of the Twin Cities churches. I won't tell you which one it is, but we heard a pastor speak. Mm-hmm. And he gave a 20-minute presentation. He gave three presentations all back-to-back. But the first, I mean, it was one message, but there were three parts. Yeah. <laughs> the first 20-minute message was an absolutely brilliant presentation of the power of the gospel, mm. at the conclusion of which he asked people to stand to receive the Lord. Okay. And... I don't know, 15, 20 people stood. Awesome. The second 20 minutes of his presentation were to explain to those people who now became believers that if they smoked or continued smoking, they would have lost what they just received. If they didn't tithe 10% to the church, they were going to lose what they didn't. And he went on and on saying all the stuff that they had to now start doing or stop doing as a consequence of the decision that they just made. Otherwise, they would lose what they just received. Mm. I was starting to fume. <laughs> yeah, I don't but blame you. It gets gets even gets even weirder from that because I, I'm saying this. I'm saying this on a podcast, mm-hmm. and if I could, I'd get the recorded transcript and show you. But the next 20 minutes, he started talking about aliens. I mean, not talking about illegal aliens. He's talking about aliens, extraterrestrial aliens, and he's saying that he believes there's life out there, and he believes that some people in this audience are in fact aliens. And this was how Shut bizarre this up. this this went. Are you serious? But yes, I am serious. It was People just, go there. Well, yeah, there was. It's actually a quite large church. No, this is not a, a televised large church. In any case, it was totally bizarre. <laughs> oh my God. But as an example of what you just talked about, we often have more grace toward those who uh, don't believe yes. than those who do, and really, it's evidence so much. When you see a Christian leader or someone in prominence yes. fall into sin. That's, yeah. I think that's where it really rubs me the wrong way the most is that you see these people who, and I'm not, let me, let me preface saying I'm not anti-church. I'm one of the biggest believers in church. I was saved yeah, by a church, right? right? Like I am, I, I am advocating for church all the time. I will help any church planter plant their church, grow their church, whatever. I'm not anti-church. But I, I think one of the issue, one of the biggest issues I deal with, back to this grace or empathy subject or topic, is that you see these, just like you're saying, these prominent leaders who dedicate and devote their entire lives to either preaching the gospel or getting people to uh, from from wherever point they are, where it's down in the ditches, to a lot better point, helping families, helping marriages, helping people, helping people find God. All these things that they do for years and years and years and years and years, and, years and they stumble. 
And in that moment that they stumble, all those same people that they've shown all this grace to, that he's sh- or he or she has shown all this grace to, help them get out of the issues that they've had, take them out of divorce, take them out of this, that, and the other thing. As soon as he stumbles, it's like these people were never helped by that person, or this community was never helped by that person. And everybody turns their back. I don't know what happens, but it's like they're immediately well, all of outcast. all of those good things become invalidated by the bad thing. Yeah, you didn't do a bad thing you're all of a sudden immediately a bad person you become a bad person that's exactly right you become shamed and then what ends up happening is the focus is more on damage control than it is on restoration yes and so the one who fell Mm -hmm. is left discarded we do shoot the wounded in christendom yeah and what ends up happening is when that happens the wounded go into hiding those who are broken go into hiding and when we shoot the wounded we're basically sending a signal that there is no grace here. There is no restoration possibility. Mm -hmm. So whatever bad stuff you've got going on in your life as a leader, Mm -hmm. you better subvert it and find a way to deal with it. Because Mm -hmm. if it comes out, game over. You you might as well forget it. And you know it's hard, and it's hard to say that, but the whole point of empathy is to recognize that we're all broken. Mm -hmm. And everyone has a challenge in that area. In fact, yeah. that probably just brings us right up to the inspire me. Yes. Okay. Good. That, that was a good way of preventing me from getting on further rants. <laughs> um, so this is by Plato. He says, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. That's right. Isn't that the truth though? That's right. I don't know how many people we meet on a daily basis and there isn't a single one that you can look to that hasn't fought a hard battle or isn't fighting one in the current moment. Yeah, well, Jesus put it this way. He said, you know, he who is without sin, pick up the first stone. Right. And we don't have the basis upon which to do that yeah. because there's no one that could do that. Only Jesus could, and he said, neither do I condemn you. Mm. And yet we do rush to condemnation, and that is the antithesis of empathy because right. we don't appreciate the fact that if we see brokenness something broken another we don't appreciate the fact that we're broken ourselves yeah and and just back to your point i think you're making such a powerful point before but what kind of message does that send to every single other person in this planet and in our community or in wherever that happens to be in the same position as whatever this individual's position may have been that may have fallen that all of a sudden they get outcast or chastised for falling in some way. Mm -hmm. Every other leader who's struggling with something, just like you said, immediately goes into hiding. Right. Now, how does that help anyone? No, it doesn't. I mean, if they're hiding, they're not going to tell anyone else to come out of hiding. They're not going to tell anyone else to be held accountable. Right. You're creating a head that's weak. Right. Well, it's so easy to demand more perfection in others than we do in ourselves. Right. Right. And you see that in armchair quarterbacking. You know, on Monday morning, (laughs) we criticize the quarterback because, you know, you should have thrown that or not thrown that or, you know, whatever. And it's all, you should have, ought to, could have, you know. And we tend to put ourselves in this judgment seat over other people's actions. Mm -hmm. And we don't have the full history. We don't know what's going on. And that isn't to invalidate the wrong that somebody does. That isn't to invalidate the pain that somebody doesn't cause somebody by a bad choice. Mm -hmm. But what it does say is to say that we all have things that we could be held accountable to. And as Jesus has said, the degree by which you judge is the degree by which you'll judge. And that's a tough measure. That's a tough measure for us. And I don't think we take that seriously as well as we ought. 
Now, that's not only true just in our church lives. It's true in our family lives, too. It's true when we're with our families. Do we give grace when, you know, one of our family members screws up for the umpteenth time? If I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times, you know, Mm -hmm. and then we go, we get angry about it Mm -hmm. as opposed to just say, you know what, Uh, there's grace for that. I can just let that go. Yeah. It's not that important to me. Mm. Or there might be a reason they're doing this mm. that isn't what I think it is. Yeah, And empathy is the ability to get into somebody else's head and to imagine what their issue might be, their context, and to say, you know what, I'm not perfect, and I know you're not perfect, and I'm willing to walk beside you in that imperfection, yeah. because I want to understand that understanding trumps the need for judgment. Let me ask you a question, because I, a lot of times I see people confusing this these two words and using them interchangeably. But what's the difference between sympathy and empathy? Well, a sympathy to me is, is when you are expressing a feeling that somebody else might be sharing. So in other words, I'm sad today. You can sympathize with me and perhaps be sad along with me mm-hmm. or express sorrow that I'm sad. Mm-hmm. But empathy is really trying to understand what it is that's causing sadness. Mm-hmm. And in so doing, you're feeling the same sort of sadness, the same mm-hmm. sort of pain. And you're able to just walk with them. That's a fundamental difference. A sympathy is more observational. It's perhaps more objective, mm-hmm. whereas empathy is much more in the skin Yes, and along with them. That's perfect. I'm, I'm not even going to add to that. That was absolutely perfect. Yeah. Right on. Well, you know, it's one thing to talk about empathy and that we need to do it, but one of the things that keeps us from doing it is just the way our brains are structured. Mm-hmm. When we see that something happens perhaps to someone or we see someone that angers us in some way, what ends up happening is there's a part of our brain called the amygdala which picks up that mm-hmm. when we're angry, when we feel threatened, when somebody does something that's harmful, for yeah. instance, you know, perhaps a pastor commits some kind of grievous sin. Like flight or freeze. Well, we all feel grievous because of it. We feel threatened because of it. The health of the church is there because of it. Or it could be a leader in a corporate setting that does something that's inappropriate or grievous. Or there could be anger that comes as a consequence of that. What what ends up happening is that when we move into that threat part of our brain, that's the amygdala. Mm -hmm. And there's a concept called the amygdala hijack, which means that when our amygdala is on fire. In other words, when we're angry, when we're, when we're feel threatened, Mm -hmm. then the other parts of our brain, it's like a teeter totter. If the amygdala is up, the other part of our brain is down. It's not activating the prefrontal cortex where we have the ability to rationalize and we have the ability to empathize with someone that literally shuts down. Mm -hmm. There's very little neural activity going on there. Mm -hmm. We've got to calm ourselves before we can enter into and exchange and in fact have empathy with someone else Mm. and that's a key to understanding that so the neat thing about empathy is once we learn how that works and we learn how to develop that as a skill and we intentionally try to practice it it's a skill you can use everywhere you can use it at work you can use it at family you can use it in your corporate setting or you can use it in your church community wherever you might be you can do that so how do we do that? Can you maybe give us a few tidbits of ideas that you might have or what you think might work in terms of application? Well, I don't know if I have the formula for it, but I have some things that I've been working on. And one is just to cultivate a mindset that we talked about already. Yeah. Uh, one is that everyone's broken. Yeah. And I'm broken. Yeah. And if we can develop that mindset that everyone is broken and I'm probably more so. Hmm. 
That is huge. Just that mindset. I love that. They're broken, and I'm probably more so. Mm-hmm. You think about the Apostle Paul for a second. He is my hero in the New Testament. If anybody I identify with, I mean, you know, Jesus is my hero too, right? <laughs> but but I'm just Naturally. saying, in terms of a human human, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. I really dig Paul. Yeah. And yet he's the guy that says, I am the greatest of sinners. Mm. And I, I sit there and I ask myself, really? Mm. I mean, there's some pretty bad people. Herod, for instance. Yeah. He was a pretty bad yeah. sinner. He's a slime ball. <laughs> he was a slime ball of slime balls. I mean, I don't even think slime balls would it would be an insult to a slime ball to call to call Herod a slime ball. So my thought is, was was Paul speaking in the factual, in a sense that I really truly am, you can measure it in God's economy somewhere, I am the greatest of all sinners, or was he talking about his mindset? Hmm. Was he saying I, there is no one that I regard as sinning more than me. Hmm. And when I can regard people that way, then I can give them grace. Fascinating. Because there's always something about me that I can say, hey, you are no more broken than I am. I love that because that just puts you in a position. I've never really thought about this, but when you put yourself in a position where you look at everyone and you're not doing it in a self-deprecating kind of way, but right. you're just It's saying, not shame. It's right. just saying... Hey, you've got broken stuff, and I yeah, I probably have more. I I know a lot more of my sins than I know of your sins. Right. So logically, I I am a greater sinner than you because right. I don't know all your sins. Right? That's right. So let's just put it that way. Yep. But in that moment that I do that, I'm never gonna walk up to someone thinking I'm superior, I'm better, I'm anything whatever than you. And I can always approach someone in a mentality that says I will serve you. That's right. I That's love exactly that. right. And also that in anybody's point of brokenness, whenever they're needing empathy the most, Mm -hmm. you can approach them not as an instigator or an interrogator or a judger, but you can approach them as a learner. Mm. What can I learn Mm. from what you've experienced? How can I come alongside of you? Mm. It's not that you're saying you did bad and I want to learn from a bad mistake. It's that I want to understand all of what happened to you because I want to walk with you. I likely would have made the same choices or I would have been tempted in the same ways or maybe I would have made a worse choice or, you know, whatever. But for, you know, the Bible says, be careful if you think you're strong, lest you fall as well. And so (laughs) often we tend to think, hey, we're pretty strong. We would not do what that person did. And so we pronounce judgment on them. We have no empathy at all. Or what they are going through. You know, a uh, story that comes to mind. So my wife comes from a divorced family and it happened on the day of Christmas where father asks everyone that they, he wants to divorce, all this stuff. So super traumatic, right? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that my wife and I had issues in the beginning is I always thought she didn't trust me because there would just be weird things that would happen and it would drive me. I mean, I would literally just get peed off, right? But it would turn into arguments between her and I, right? And it wasn't it wasn't healthy, right? I would just be livid. And I remember one of my pastor friends pulling me aside and it was a very father-son, boy, I will spank you moment kind of, mm-hmm. you know? He goes, 
You think it makes you a man when you get that mad at your wife just because you think she doesn't trust you and you don't take a second to figure out why she might That's be acting great. that way? That's exactly. I'm right. not kidding. That's exactly how he did it to me. He goes, you want to be mad at somebody? Go be mad at the people you work with because that's not your family. You, you want to be cordial. You want to mm -hmm. be kind. Go home and do that to the person that mm -hmm. loves you. I was like, oh my God. And so I go home and I ask my wife, what is this about? And all that to just find out it's father cheating on mother and blah, 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 rejection issues. And I was saying blah, 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 because I'm dismissing right. it. But it, it was because of that, not because of me. And she didn't know that it was making me react like that. It was, it was just so crazy how much I learned about her from asking one question to me trying to empathize for once yeah. with why she's doing that. Yeah. You think you're working with imbeciles at work that won't carry their own weight or whatever. Maybe think about finding out about what's going on in their life. Yeah. Maybe they're carrying a really tough load that you don't know about. Yeah. You know, find ways to break through what your perception is mm -hmm. before you judge. At that point when you're saying something in your head about somebody else and it's critical. Yeah. That's the good sign where you need to go, hmm. Yeah. Maybe we do need to look at that. Right. And what's going on. And there's fruit from that too, there because is. all of a sudden when you take that extra step to figure or understand someone, you'll be shocked and surprised how often those people that you take that extra step to understand them, how often they'll take a step to understand you. Well, you know, it's interesting. I talked about the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex being on a teeter-totter. Right. When you're active listening, like you were just talking about, where you're taking steps to understand them, you're intently, you're listening insanely. Yeah. You know, you're really listening for understanding mm -hmm. and trying to get inside their shoes and try to understand something about, get inside their head <laughs> and maybe inside head. their shoes. <laughs> <Whatever it sounds>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're trying to do that, what that does is it shuts down the amygdala. Yeah. It calms you down mm -hmm. and it calms the other person down because now they feel less threatened. Yeah. Because people feel threatened when they feel judged. Right. And we feel threatened when, when somebody does something that might violate our concept of what might be appropriate, whether mm -hmm. you know it's underperformance or an annoying habit or a grievous sin, mm -hmm. right? That is a threat to us, and we want to stand against it, and we pronounce judgment on it. And so when yeah. you feel yourself being critical of someone, ask yourself, what might be going on in their life? Mm. What kind of hard thing might be happening? I think I might have talked about one episode with a friend of mine. We were we went out to dinner. Anna and I went with another couple out to dinner, and I just about got driven off the road. Did I tell you this story already? No. I just about got driven off the road, and Priscilla, my friend in the back seat, just says, as I was getting angry, you know, yeah. she says, you know what? They may be rushing to the hospital, or they might be having a hard day. I think we should pray for them. I'm like, that was the last thing I wanted to do. <laughs> you know, my <laughs> empathy meter them. was not up there. I was fearful because I was just about... You know, we just about kill ourselves with these people cutting us off. Right. And she was able to just jump immediately into, we don't know what's going on hmm. in their world that might have caused them to behave that way and went straight to saying, yeah, I think we should pray for them. Wow. Well, yeah, I was not there. No, nope, would not be there either. <laughs> and I'm often not there. <laughs> but it is something that we can intentionally practice. And, and really, if anything, on this episode, what we want to do is just raise your awareness to Yes. It. So here's the challenge me. Bring it. Okay. The challenge me for this episode is the next time, and you might not have to wait a day or two days. Yeah. It might be a week. I don't know. The next time you have a critical thought towards someone, take a step to think about and act on how could you be empathetic to them? Hmm. How could you reach out to try to understand what might be going on? 
hmm. before you layer that judgment of criticism on them. Go from judging to understanding yes. and see how it works out. That's right. That's, that's a beautiful right. challenge. That's I right. love that. Well, this is all the time we have. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. If you did, please feel free to check out the notes at reinventure.me backslash 84. Uh, more importantly, if you guys are enjoying these episodes that we're doing, the easiest thing you can do is when you go to reinventure.me, just subscribe with your email to our email list and we will send you the episodes every week so you don't have to look for them. You can also find us on Twitter at reinventureme, Facebook, LinkedIn, Google+. I'm pretty sure I remember you saying that we're on Pinterest. Oh, we are on Pinterest. That's right. We're going after the ladies. <laughs> oh, yeah. The hot dishes. <laughs> hot trays, whatever it was. <laughs> you can also uh, find us on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you would do us a favor, please tell your friends about us because that helps us. And if you guys could leave reviews on iTunes and Stitchers, that would be even more helpful. Or I send would, money. Yeah, or send money, whatever <laughs> works. A thousand plus. It would just be reinventure.me backslash iTunes or reinventure.me backslash Stitcher. And do our favorite thing, if you have any questions or comments, is call 612-314-5447. That's all the time we have. Wish you all the best. Be blessed. So long. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. 